Let's uh, turn in the scripture, if you will, to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, and we're, some of you are probably starting out your, your uh, Bible reading for the year, you know, you're going through, so some of this is kind of familiar to you already. But let's stand as we receive this word together. We're going to begin with verse 1 and read down through verse 9. Would you just pray along with me, pray this prayer with me? Lord, this is your word to me today. May it be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Help me to hide this word in my heart that I might not sin against you. May I pray it in, read it through, live it out, and pass it on. Amen, amen. Hear the word of the Lord beginning with verse one in chapter 12 of Genesis. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abraham or Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah and Shechem, at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there, he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. May God add his blessing to that. You can be seated. <clears throat> I've, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I've decided to tackle, uh, as we look at tackling 2023, I thought it would be a benefit to our church to do a study of the faith and person of Abraham. You know, Hebrews 11.6 says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So faith is the foundation of what it is to be a Christian. We must believe that he exists, most certainly, but we also must diligently, earnestly be seeking him. God honors people who walk by faith and not by sight. I preached a funeral recently, and I talked in that message how we are, each of us, headed in one of two places. We are either headed toward the city, the heavenly city, or we're headed to the cemetery. We will be with God, or we will forever be lost in darkness without him. Well, afterwards, I had uh, met a man who came up to me, and he was moved by that message, and he said, Pastor, I hear what you're saying. I want to have faith. And I told him that just by confessing where he was at that point, that he was moving in the right direction, that God was working in his life and that he needed to pursue the truth in Christ. 
I'm reminded of Jude 22, which says that as Christians, we are to be gentle to those who doubt. And in fact, the reality is there are probably many of us here this morning who have our doubts, who, 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 who at times wonder and, 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 and wonder if it's all real. In Mark chapter 9, we are introduced to a father who comes to Jesus and pleads that Jesus would heal his son. He says, if you can, would you please heal my son? And Jesus responds, if I can, all things are possible to him who believes. And the father says, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. I think there are probably a lot of us that resonate with that kind of statement. But I want this to be an encouragement to you this morning. Jesus said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to the mountain, be moved, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And so I think, as I start out this new year, I believe that our prayer ought to be something like the disciples when they said to Jesus in Luke 17, 5, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. And that's why I want us to do this study of Abraham together over the next few weeks so that we might learn what it is to increase our faith and experience that. You know, Abraham without argument, has to be one of the most significant figures in human history. Three major religions, account for more, counting for more than half of the world's population, look to Abraham as the father of their faith. So the reality is, even if you're not a believer, understanding Abraham is essential to understanding civilization. Now, when his story begins... Abraham has nothing. In fact, there is this kind of tragic irony, if you think about it, the way the writer sets this story up for us. Abram, that's the name that he is initially given by his, by, by, uh, his parents. The name Abram literally means father. But we find out that he's 75 years old and he's not a father at all. He doesn't have any kids. Later on, his name is changed to Abraham, which means father of many nations. But he's childless. Again, his life seems to be a cruel joke. He seems to have this destiny written on him, but he's nearing the end of his life, and he's got no children. He's got nothing. His name mocks him. I wonder how many of us are there this morning you're in the same spot. You sense that God has destined your life for a sense of significance, eternal significance, any, any uh, truthfully. But many of us look around and we don't see anything happening. You, you, you might feel like there is something more, but you're restless and you're wandering. But here's the thing. Abraham is going to have to walk toward a path of significance. He's going to have to make several decisions and learn some important lessons about faith. And friends, it is the same path that you and I are going to have to walk as well. A walk of faith, whether you are young this morning or you're middle-aged or you're old, this is the path each of us are going to have to choose to walk and that's why Abraham is so important to study. Now, 
we read, we have read this morning, Genesis 12. It's the call initially of Abraham. But really, to understand his story, I think it's probably helpful to look at Genesis 11. In Genesis 11, you have the story of the Tower of Babel. Of course, the Tower of Babel signifies humanity's rejection of God. It, it signifies the self-reliance that people believe that they can have on themselves. It is a dark age of idolatry. And we're introduced to Terah, who is the son of Shem, follow me here, who was the son of Noah. Now, he's the only son of Shem. Terah's name in Hebrew literally means moon. And the word moon in Hebrew is actually a metaphor for the end. It's kind of like if we use the word caboose. It signifies the end. So Terah has only one son, and Abram has no sons. It looks like the end of the family. But what's more, and I find this fascinating, Terah has moved to Ur, and, worship, and in Ur they worship the moon. So the fact is, he's named Moon, and that suggests to anyone who's reading this that the, the family of God, the, the lineage of a godly family has been corrupted, and people have capitulated to the idolatry around them. So when we read Genesis 11, we begin to see that the, the candle of light is about to flicker out. The only godly family on earth has capitulated to idolatry and they aren't even having any more kids. The darkness is about completely to overcome the light. It's in the midst of this great darkness then that God calls a man who barely knows who he is and he's childless to boot. And suddenly God tells him, I'm going to make you a man of a, a great nation of people. And that nation will cause all the world to be blessed. That will cause all the world to know me. Well, think about it. Last month, when we were looking at Matthew or the Christmas with Matt, we started with the genealogy in Matthew. And you remember the person it starts with? It starts with Abraham. So with, with Abraham, we who are in Christ, because we're a part of that genealogy, we're grafted in, we have received that same promise that was given to him so many years ago. This is our promise, and this is why we need to pay attention here. Now, as I look at Genesis 12 this morning, and I think about this initial call of Abraham, I begin to ask myself three things. And there are three questions I want to give you this morning as we start this journey together. And the first one is simply this. Do I really believe God? As we read this passage, we begin to see that Abraham believed God's promise even though the promise seemed impossible. In verse 2, God makes a bold promise to Abraham. He says, I'm going to make you a great nation. Now, Abraham knows, wait a minute, my wife is 65. I'm 75. Things don't work like they used to. So this seems impossible. Romans 4.18 says, against all hope, Abraham believed and so became the father of many nations. So faith is believing that God exists, but it also means that he will always do what he says he will do. I have to believe that. Now, God has not appeared 
to most of us like he appeared to Abraham. But you think about it. We have so much more to go on than Abraham had. We have the testimony of Jesus Christ who came into the world, died on the cross, was buried, and then rose again. And where do we get that amazing testimony? We get it from God's word. Hebrews 1 says, in the past, God spoke through the prophets in various ways, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now, of course, we don't see Jesus physically, but where do we come to know Jesus? Where do we come to see Jesus? Well, we come to him, we come to know him through his word. God's word reveals to us Jesus Christ and his will. Romans 1.17 says, faith comes through hearing the message and the message is heard through the word of Christ. So one of the key ways then that we will increase our faith is by applying ourselves to God's word. And if I have any instruction for you, anything that I and challenge you to do this year is it is to get into God's word. It will not happen by accident. And so if you want to increase your faith, then you have to apply yourself to study the scripture because in that you're going to see Jesus and you will find out that, that when God says something, it's as good as done. I began to think about the stories in scripture. God tells Noah, if you build an ark, I'll spare you from the flood. Noah builds an ark and he's spared. God did what he said he would do. God told Moses, I'm gonna take you back to Egypt and I'm going to deliver the Hebrews from their slavery there well that seemed impossible but what God said he did God promised Joshua I want you to take your army and go uh, march around the city of Jericho seven times and the city will fall God said it and of course it happened God told David a forgotten little shepherd boy you're going to be the next king of Israel voila and we had the line of Jesus. God told the people of Israel that he would send a redeemer who would save them, the people from their sins. And what God said he would do, he certainly did. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm gonna die, I'm gonna be buried, but I'm coming back from the grave. Three days later, it seemed impossible, but Jesus rose again in victory. When God says it, it gets done. He keeps his promises, we can believe him but I want you to know this this is our promise this morning we sang about it the very first song we sang this morning this is our bible promise for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life that is a promise that God has made God says more. I will not allow you to be tested beyond what you can bear. He says, I'll supply all of your needs. Give, and it will be given to you. If you die and you believe in me, though you're dead, I will raise you up on the last day. My question for you this morning as we begin is this. Do I believe God? That's the first question. Do you? But there's a second question I want to remind you of that 
I think evokes, uh, that's, uh, that comes out of this passage for me. It's this question, am I really following God? This is really a question of who is in charge of my life? Is God in charge or am I? And by the way, this is not God asking Abraham to make a few moral tweaks to his character. You know, Abraham, don't, don't do this, don't do that. No, it's much more than that. The person who follows God is called to put it all on the line for him. No restrictions, no limitations. All I am and ever hope to be, Lord, it's yours. Put your yes on the table and let God put it on the map. I want you to notice here. Notice how God's command to Abraham is intentionally open-ended. How would you like to hear this from the Lord? Go to the land, I will show you. Okay, Lord, but where is that land? Don't worry, I'll show you. Well, how, how far? Should I pack a coat? Is this a beach thing? I'll show you later. God says to Abraham, I'll give you a son. How? God answers, I'll take care of it. You just follow me. Verse 4 says, Abram left as the Lord told him. He leaves his culture, his language, his family, all that he knows because he believes God. John Calvin summarized God's call to Abraham this way. I don't always agree with John Calvin, but I certainly like the way he said this. He said, just close your eyes and take my hand. I love that. Just close your eyes and take my hand. Trust me. But God, what about... But, but God, how, how will... Just close your eyes and trust me. Do you know where the, that, that's where faith meets reality? And so many people are unwilling to go there. How many of us are willing to trust God for eternity, but not for today? When, when, when we consider following God, we want to know, well, God, if I surrender everything to you, where are you going to make me go? Do I have to become a missionary? Do I have to change career? Will I have to break up with my boyfriend? God, am I going to become one of those annoying people who put bumper stickers all over the back of their car and tells everyone, have a blessed day? You know, that person who goes to the store clerk and she says, happy holidays, and you bark back, Merry Christmas. God, I don't want to be one of those people. How many of us want to know up front where we're going to have to go, what it's going to cost, what it's going to mean? We, we think following God means that we're still in the driver's seat, right? But that's impossible. God is not a cosmic navigational system that we can choose to listen to or not. The truth is, he owns the car. 
he's the driver and he says go there and that's where I go he calls for total surrender and yet we we want to know the what of his will the how of his will the where of his will but all that should matter to us is the who who is calling me I believe that he exists and I will seek him he's the center just close your eyes take my hand follow me trust me now I want you to see an interesting point that uh, is rather new to me as I've studied the life of Abraham in the last week in chapter 11 Abram's whole family if you read it it was actually on their way to Canaan they were actually already on their way his dad Terah was headed there but they stopped halfway so chapter 12 God is saying to Abraham Abraham I want you to go all the way and the point I, I, I think it's worth making here is there is a point in all of our lives where we have to make our own decision to follow God. And we can't base it on the parent's relationship to God. We have to make our own decisions to go all the way. It's not enough to be a part of a movement or a half-hearted movement. And, and, and I think if a lot of us were honest this morning, some of us would realize we're stuck halfway you believe but you're not following you believe but you're not pursuing faith means I believe and I pursue there's one thing I want I want him I want him more I seek him and the only place you'll ever find him is where he leads you and so I ask you this morning am I truly following God that's the second question but then as I read this passage there was a third question that came to mind one more question what do you do when it seems like the promise isn't all that you thought it would be what do you do when the promise isn't all that you thought it might be Listen, Abraham follows God, and it's all easy from there, right? Well, we'll talk about a lot of things here in the next few weeks, but I'm going to leave all this because, because there is going to be so much more when I get to the place God has promised. Faith believes the promises of God. Faith obeys God's commands even when the future is uncertain, but but I want you to see this third thing. For Abraham, following God was not easy. I want you to notice that when Abraham arrives in the promised land, it's not quite maybe what he expected. Wow, you know, I'm blessed of God. Wow, God has promised me all this land. Wow, this is going to be great. And then we come to verse 6, and when Abraham gets to the edge of Canaan, notice this, there are Canaanites who occupy the land. God, uh, you said where I'm going to show you, you're going to give me this land. And then he got there, 
and there are a bunch of people occupying it. I don't think Abraham had bargained for war. I don't think he had the money to buy it all. He wasn't about to displace all of these people. And suddenly Abraham, the promise of God, isn't all that maybe he imagined it would be. He gets there, and listen to this, he lives in a tent. Some of you are campers. Faith asked me the other night, Dad, can we go camping this summer? I said, absolutely not. Why would anyone ever do that? Are you kidding me? That's not a vacation, that's homeless. And we're not homeless. No. But, but look at verse 7 and note what Abraham does. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. You see what he got was better than land? He got him. What do you do when the promise isn't maybe all that you thought it would be? For Abraham, the circumstances didn't leave him comfortable, didn't seem to be exactly blessed. Listen, when you obey and the circumstances still aren't ideal, do you keep obeying? You know, you were generous, and yet the finances are harder than ever. Do you keep giving? When you rear your children in the church and introduce them to Jesus Christ, and yet they go through a season of rebellion, do you keep coming to church? Do you keep praying? Do you keep believing? When you honor God in your marriage, but you want a child and none has been given to you, do you keep praising him? Will you pray when your health breaks? Do you keep giving thanks when you set a standard high for a Christian mate and nobody comes along? And all of a sudden, you wonder if they ever will. Do you remain pure? When, when, when you work hard and you get passed over for that position, are you going to keep doing your best effort? 1 Thessalonians 4.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Abram gets to Canaan and it's full of people. It doesn't look like his land. He's living in a tent. And yet Abram builds an altar and he gives thanks even though it might not have looked like quite what he had imagined. You know, this week, I cried with a dad whose son is in jail and faces a trial that could incarcerate his son for 20 years. He didn't imagine it would be like this. This week, I sat by the bed of Nancy Smith, a long-term member of our church, a dear, dear loving person. 
right before Christmas, she was debilitated by a stroke. She can't speak. She only has partial use of her left arm. I don't know if that's going to be permanent or what. We don't know right now. But what do you say when you love someone who is literally trapped in their own body? I picked up the Psalms and I read Psalm 34. I love that passage and yet I stumbled over those first words when I read it to Nancy. I could see a tear fall down her eyes as I started. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be on my mouth. How do you say that? How do you believe that when you can't speak? I went on in verse 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. And then verse 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. I think all of us have known those kinds of moments when we just wonder, where's the promise? What happened? And yet I come back to Abraham. Listen to what the Hebrew writer in chapter 11, verse 8 says. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeying by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. For he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. He wasn't looking for land. He was looking for him. And he found him. He got the land, and he lived in a tent, but he found something so much more important. His foundation was in his faith in God, his relationship with God. And my prayer this year as a church, as a community, that every one of us here would say this, Lord, I believe you. Lord, help me follow you. Lord, I'll trust you even in the difficult. Increase my faith. Will you pray with me? Father, we pause right now. And I just pray that, Lord, we would be a part of a community that not only believes that you exist, but with our whole hearts, Lord, we would earnestly pursue you this year. God, I, I, I'm going to open this altar in just a few moments. 
and ask that maybe you have called some of our people out that they've begun to see that maybe they've just gone halfway with you but as we begin this new year we want you to have it all we want to give you our complete selves and Lord we don't know what that promise always looks like we imagine certain things we think the blessing will come this way and sometimes it comes in a completely different way but Lord what we want at the end of our lives is simply this we want to know you would you give us that favor that grace right now I thank you again for Abraham and what he's going to teach us I pray O oh Lord that you would have your way in us this morning Lord we believe help our unbelief in Jesus' name.